Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we are talking about original sin. Which is a fun OS. topic. OS. Yes. Okay. <laughs> OS. Yeah. So we're still in systematic theology too. We are still in homardiology, which is the doctrine of sin. And last time we looked at the doctrine of the fall of man. I like that one. Genesis 3. Why? Explains me perfectly. Oh. <laughs> well, and, and, and your children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I just, I, I liked working through Genesis 3. Um, but today we want to talk uh, about the doctrine of original sin. Which is actually a very confusing doctrine, a confusing doctrine. Though. Yeah. I think people, they, they mess up what is meant by that. So Inflated. hopefully it will be helpful. Yeah. So quickly though, before we do that, we're going to talk about we're going to do a quick excursus on the doctrine of total depravity, also known as TD, TD. Uh, which sounds stupid. I like, you like going through Genesis 3. I like using the word excursus. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel smart. You're an excursus-y kind of guy. Well, yeah, it's better than rabbit trail. Rabbit trail, whatever. But an like excursus means that you're doing it in a scholarly manner in my mind. It's an intentional rabbit trail. You mean but, you didn't just randomly, accidentally wander off? Yeah, chasing a rabbit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're you're heading somewhere with this. Yeah. People think we're usually chasing rabbits, but <laughs> yeah, in fact, we're doing one right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all planned. No, okay, so uh, yeah, let's do uh, let's talk total depravity first. So before we get into original sin, um, this ties into this doctrine as right. well. Right. Uh, total depravity ties into original sin. Um, and this is a reform doctrine, and it was developed in response to Arminianism at the Council of Dort. Uh, so you're typically not going to get this in a—I mean, unless you're unless you're working through a reform systematic theology, total depravity is not necessarily part of right. systematic theology. Right. But we're going to make it that way. Um, and and the reason for that is because we very much embrace this doctrine. Uh, but we're not going to spend too much time developing it here. Uh, we'll simply fold it in instead here with the doctrine of original sin. But suffice it to say that total depravity does not mean in, that every person is as bad as they possibly could be. Yeah, it sounds like that, though. It sounds when yeah. you say you're totally depraved, they're like, not that bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know people. <laughs> <laughs> Or as what did Carson say? Even Hitler could have kicked his dog one more time. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's not, that's not what it means. Uh, we do see that some people sin, though. I mean, in the in the vilest and most wicked way possible that fallen human beings could possibly imagine. Yep. Uh, what we live in Wisconsin. What's that guy's name? Ed Gein. Who made furniture out of human skin. Or or Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah, he's also up here. Good old Milwaukee. Right. Uh, yeah, we're not saying that that's every single human being. Um, you know, the rest of society, they would just typically regard themselves as basically good. 
um, you don't see them sinning in these wicked forms. But the point to understand is that both are equally under the category of total depravity, uh, whether you're dealing with Jeffrey Dahmer, you're dealing with, you know, your grandma next door. Um, so again, total depravity, it does not mean that you're as bad as you possibly could be, or that your sin is manifesting itself in the worst possible extreme. I like James White his quote on this, he says, not everyone's grandmother's an ax wielding murder. Right. Uh, so it's, it, it instead speaks to the fact that every aspect, uh, in scope of a person is now defined by sin. Right. Uh, right. now, now how that sin's going to work itself out again, is going to look worse than others, but all are pervasively sinful. Um, and, and, and what we mean by that is it covers every aspect. So, so the mental faculty or the noetic function, if you want to use the technical term, uh, the physical, the emotional, person's dream desires, their motivation, their will, all of that's under the power and the influence and effect of sin. It's, it's total in that sense. Um, so when we talk about total depravity, it's important to remember that there are two aspects to this whole subject. You have the corporate and the individual nature of depravity. Um, when we deal with the corporate nature of depravity, we're dealing with the idea that the whole of the human race is depraved or fallen. Uh, all are sinners. So in 1 Kings 8, it, it, verse 46, it describes that everyone does evil. Uh, Matthew 12, 34, uh, everyone is evil. Um, it's just the assumption Jesus has. Uh, about mankind. So the very core of humanity is depraved. It begins on the on the inside of the of, of the person and that flows always outward. So again, what we thought, dealt with in Genesis 6 verse 5, uh, Jeremiah 17 9, the heart is deceitfully wicked or desperately sick. Right. Right. Um, again, there is that corporate aspect. So Sometimes the passages are dealing with that. That's why entire cultures are corrupt. It's not just one or two people, but the entire group of people themselves uh, as a group. But then you get into the individual uh, side of it. Um, again, it speaks to the fact that every aspect of man has been affected. Uh, so it's the old onion metaphor. You know, you peel back the onion to get to the very center and in the very center, it's not good it, at the very spark, the beginning at uh, the essence of what makes a person, a person um, it's not good, but it's sinful. It's evil. It's fallen. And so it's not a man's external environment that is making a person sinful. That would be Pelagianism. Yeah, you start out as a blank right, slate. Right, right. Tabula rasa. Yeah, there right. you go. Um, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, you know what um, you're talking about. But rather, what, what, what we're saying is that sin is something that comes from the inside of every single person, and then inevitably it's going to flow outward. Um, have you ever heard my gunk illustration? Yeah, Romans 5, right? Or 6? No. When did you do it? Oh, maybe it's when I did it, but I do it all the time. Yeah. When people are, whenever I'm dealing with people who are struggling with the idea that they're sinful and, and they're trying to get the concept of this idea of total depravity, um, I, I, I developed this, I mean, 30 years ago when I was a jail chaplain. You're, you're looking at guys who are, I mean, super max, right? So really, really bad people. And they still don't think they're that bad. <laughs> you're like, you know, all, you're in for relative. multiple murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I didn't rape him first. It's like, thumbs up to you. All right. <laughs> um, you know, so 
I, I it's like, how do I get them to grasp that? And so I, I using you, I, I, as an illustration, I would take you and dump you in this vat of gunk and it's, it's nasty. It's vile smelling. It's disgusting. And it coats every part of your, um, and so you go to clean it off and you, you find something out about this gunk that you didn't expect. And that's, that's kind of like magical. So you wipe it off and it comes off on your towel, but the moment you wipe it off, it's immediately replaced. So you, no matter how much you wipe it, it's there. Um, so, but now you have a gunky towel. And so then you're like, well, I'll shower it off. So you're under the water and it's, it's coming off you as fast as it can. It's splashing on the wall. So now the, the, the shower is just this vile smelling gunky mess, but you're still as gunky as you were to start out with. You go out, you walk across the living room um, and you're just leaving gunky footprints and your wife's doing her laundry and you walk up to her and you're like, here, let me help you. Well, you pick up the towels. What happens to the towel? Yeah, well, it gets all full of gunk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah because it's on you. You can't, you, no matter what you want to do or intend to do, you can't avoid this gunkiness. Um, but then let's make that gunky even worse, and it sucks into the very core of your being, so it coats your um, thoughts, your intentions, your dreams, your your wishes, everything. And so now even your words are covered in it. So you look at your wife and you say good words. You tell her, I love you. Um, and they're good words. The problem, though, is that they're covered in gunk and and they're just vile. And so everything about you, uh, whether it's internal or external, is is affected by this gunk. That would be offensive if that was all just you. If that was just you, everyone else would look at you and say you are disgusting. But the reality is that all of humanity is that way. And so we don't even notice right. it, uh, but God right. isn't. Yeah. And so when we're talking about that total depravity, the ability to grasp that that sin is present in every, like you said, in every aspect of yeah. the human person. So whether it's their will or intellect or their external actions, it doesn't matter. And, and so we can do good things yeah, and we'll all agree that was good, but it's not good in the sense that it's tainted. That's what I like, I like about the f- f- helping the wife fold the towel part. It's like, here's a good work, something that, yeah. you know, is trying to be helpful and the, the intent there may seem good, but it's still covered in that gunk. Yep. So, which is why God can't accept your yeah. quote, good works. In fact, I'll usually tell the person I'm witnessing to when I use this, it's like, so you've done all these good things. You've tried, you've tried hard. I said, but so you wrap them up and you're giving these gifts to God to show them how much you love them. I'm like, but what are they? And by that time, they figured out it's gunky. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and I said, and God hates gunk. And somehow it works. It works with them, but it worked with the prisoners. Um, they could, that helped them make that distinction between they were used to, okay, murder's wrong, but I still do. I mean, I love my mom. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sucks to be you because that's yeah, covered in the gunk too. So right. anyhow, um, understand though, with all of that, when we're dealing with the doctrine doctrine of total depravity, it's a, it's a reform doctrine. It's a unique doctrine to the Reformation, um, but it's also a biblical doctrine. And so someday we'll probably devote uh, some episodes to explicitly a reformed theology, but that's not what we're trying to do in this systematic uh, theology uh, series. Yeah. So let's jump then into now actually what we're 
wanting to talk about, which is the doctrine of original <laughs> sin. Um, and let me just begin here. With, I just, I just saw that picture. Uh, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Nobody. Everyone's like, "What?" I have a screensaver, and it's one of, of one of my grandchildren smiling with his finger up his nose, his fat finger up his yeah. nose. Yeah, but but very happy, contented smile. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of pictures him well. <laughs> uh, let me let me intro this with uh, Grudem's a, a quote from Grudem and his systematic theology on the doctrine of sin. He says this term that is original sin is used. It should be remembered that sin spoken of does not refer to Adam's first sin, but to the guilt and tendency to sin with which we are born. It is original in that it comes from Adam, and it is also original in that we have it from beginning of our existence as persons, but it is still our sin, not Adam's sin that is meant. Parallel to this phrase, original sin, is the phrase original guilt. This is the idea that we inherit the guilt from Adam. That's, he, he, I think he did a nice job there of trying to explain what it is and isn't. Yeah. So, um, it's important to note that, first of all, that the Bible connects man's actual sin to his sinful nature, right? right? Not Adam. Right. Yeah. So, so actual sin, therefore, is not something that's learned. Right. Again, as we said earlier, it's not something that's due to the external realities around you that then cause you to become a sinner. It's something inherent to your nature. So do you want to read uh, this quote by Simpson? Yeah. So he says, as the history of humanity abundantly proves, all mankind, without exception, turns aside to its own way. We are sinners in grain. Uh, every mother's son learns to be naughty without a book, nor will either impulse or example suffice to account for the an anomaly of wrongdoing coextensive with an entire species of moral agents. That's such a systematic, <laughs> uh, our theological way of saying it. While our fellow lodgers, the animal creation, uh, fill, fulfill their instinctive ends without fail. To confine sin to outward acts is merely res, uh, resorting to a hollow euphemism. For whence these uniformly corrupt fruits save uh, from a corrupt tree, deny original sin, and the state of our world becomes harder to construe, in other words, make sense of, uh, than if you embrace the tenet of original sin. The evil principle lurks beneath the surface, seated in the hidden heart." Yeah, it's a good yeah. quote, just showing again how how it's inherent to man. It's built into his nature. Which is why everything, every human culture throughout history is broken. It, yeah. it, it can't. And as, as I like the way he points out, unlike the animal kingdom, they just keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's not their fault they live in a fallen world, stupid yeah. Adam. You know, <laughs> and, but, but we... Um, it's not, again, we're not learning it. We're, we're, we're just doing what our nature exactly does, right. which is a broken, depraved nature. Yeah. So let's look then at now at some key texts. Uh, and, and one of them is going to be Psalm 51 in verse one. This is David speaking, uh, after he is reflecting on that sin with Bathsheba. Uh, and he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. And that's the key phrase there. Um, so first, we don't have time to go through the whole psalm here. But if you were to read it, you would quickly notice that the terms me and I are being used throughout. 
this passage. So David is actually seeing himself as, as that guilty party. Um, and then also he's not separating somehow his sin from his nature. Right. Uh, he personalizes it with those pronouns, I and me. He is, in some sense, sinful. Um, and so he's not the victim of sin, but rather by his very nature, he is a sinner. So what's that old thing? You know, you don't, um, you're, you're not a sinner. Because you sin. Rather you, you sin, sin because you are a sinner right. by your essence now. And that's actually people, some people kind of poo-poo that, but it's actually a, a key point. Uh, we, we think we're sinners because we sin, and and that's not the thing. It's we're sinners, and therefore that's why we Right, that's sin. what flows out, yeah. Um, second, verse 5 here in Psalm 51, it's, it's making it clear that he is tracing his sinfulness to the very point of his conception. Uh, in other words, there's not a time in which sin was not part of who he was. In sin, um, I was conceived. So so sin came into his being at the moment he was conceived, and you can't separate that moment. Um, there was a never a time, in other words, in which he was innocent. Right. Uh, guilt is has always been his perpetual state, and therefore that's true for every human being who's ever lived. Right. Okay. So then another uh, excellent passage on this topic is one that's my personal favorite, uh, Ephesians 2, 1 and verse 3. Uh, here it says, and I'll read verses 1 through 3, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, there's several observations that we would make from this. Uh, first of all, there's the language of being dead in verse 1. And so he's not describing a sickness, a weakness, a tendency, uh, but he's actually describing a state of being that that no matter what you and I want to see ourselves as our state of being in the eyes of God is we are dead. I remember my theology professor just said essentially we're spiritual zombies yeah. where we have the appearance of life without any real life. Um, also the realm of that deadness is in trespasses and sin. Um, so now he's dealing with identity. It's what utterly characterizes a person that we're not just dead, but we're dead. But the realm in which we function in our deadness is sinning right. and trespasses. Um, and then in verse two, the result is that we walk in accordance with the course or natural track, if you will, of this world, walking in accordance to Satan. So there's a natural byproduct of this fact that our state of being is dead, the realm is in sin, and the result is, therefore, we walk in accordance to this world and according to Satan. So what's it look like? Well, verse 3 gives us that. It's a life that's driven by the lusts of the flesh, and it's a life that indulges the desires of the flesh and mind. And so that then ultimately goes to the resultant state, again in verse 3, uh, where we are abiding under the wrath of God. Uh, it's a life that's completely opposed to God. 
And so the whole point to understand is that Paul is giving a description of the natural state before regeneration, which is what's coming. This is contrasted then with that new spiritual state that God creates in verse 4, where those wonderful words, but God. Um, And so the clear reading of the passage is that that, uh, it is pervasive in this sinfulness of what man is by his very nature. <laughs> sorry, I'm struggling with that one. But yeah, I think you did good. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, but that's the whole idea of what's going on here is um, it's in every aspect of our being. We, it's not like, well, our body's dead. No, it's actually we as right. a, a total person are dead before God. And therefore we do it in sin. We walk according to the world and we're therefore by nature, children of wrath. That's, that's a painful reality that would our, our beloved grandmother, who's not the ax wielding Murder, yeah. murderer, but she still is dead in her sins and a child of wrath. Uh, as a result, that's how it all works. So our sinfulness is interwoven with our natural state. Right. It's what we are. So so what should stand out there is that there there is no neutrality. Um or human beings aren't just a victim of something. Uh by our very essence, this is what we are. Um and so this passage is very clear about that, which is why therefore it takes an act of God to change it. Right. Therefore, but God. Because you can't change your nature. Um and so, yeah. Well, yeah. In fact, he even says, but God being rich in his mercy with which he loved us has caused us or yeah, yeah has caused us to be made alive yeah. in Christ Jesus. So the, we can't make ourselves alive. We can't hitch ourselves up by our bootstraps or whatever. We're in this state of deadness right. um, and yeah. it's God and only God who functions to make us alive. Right. And, and there's not even the faith. This because it's talking about regeneration. There, it's not. It's not our faith regenerates us and makes us alive, but it's the grace and the love and the mercy of God that makes us yeah. alive through faith, which is also given yes. by God. Right? Which is because then yeah. in, in Corinthians, then that's where he talks about how I mean, sinful man by his nature doesn't even know he needs to be made alive because he doesn't even know he's dead. I mean, it, to the gunk illustration, they don't even know they're swimming in this stuff. Yeah. You know, we're a bunch of skunks <laughs> thinking we smell great. <laughs> Happy Pew. Yeah. Uh, se- <laughs> Funny, I was thinking the same thing. All right, um, go ahead. So, second, then the Bible connects mankind's actual and original sin to the first sin of Adam. So there is a connection here, and that's important to understand. The key passage is going to be Romans 5, 12 through 19, and it is the definitive passage that we have to deal with on this stuff. And this is the key passage for the development of what's known then as Adam theology uh, in the New Testament. Um, And so there are some interpretational issues, and one in particular um, there, there is the the issue in this passage that arises of something known as solidarity, the doctrine of solidarity, and this doctrine deals with the idea that God does not deal with mankind only on an individual basis. Um, so, in verse twelve, we're going to see here an unfinished comparison. He says, uh, Paul writing, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And so death spread to all man because all sinned. Now, if, if you're looking at the passage in, in your Bible, Romans 5.12, uh, you'll notice only half of what Paul is talking about is explicitly present there. 
um, the rest is actually going to be implied in the context. And so he's saying that just as all sinned in Adam, the implied part is so those in Christ now right. will be made righteous. Um, yet what becomes interesting is that in verse 14, it's clear that the sin of Adam uh, is not committed by all mankind. Uh, so in, in 5.14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Um, and now that's going to be very important as we uh, are going to now look at these items related to original sin. Okay, so the point then that needs to be made is that in verse 12, it says that all sinned, but then in verses 15 through 19, there is the one who sinned, and that's that issue of solidarity. Yeah. So the question becomes, is he speaking of the same event, meaning the fall? And if so, how can he contradict himself as it appears? So good old John Murray um, he writes this. He, this is where that whole doctrine of solidarity comes into play. He says, it is a patent fact that in God's government of men, there are the institutions of the family, of the state, and of the church in which solidaric or corporate relationships obtain and are operative. This is simply to say that God's relations to men and the relations of men to one another are not exclusively individualistic. God deals with men in terms of these corporate relationships, and men must reckon with their corporate relations and responsibilities. So he gets into that whole idea of the corporate nature where we like to just talk about me all by myself. Right. Um, so it's such a good quote because uh, as a person continues to grow in their study of the word, they're, they're going to begin to see this whole idea of solidarity throughout the scripture. We just did that uh, in uh, Philippians. Yeah. Where he's, you know, work out your salvation. Well, that your salvation is not an individual one, but a corporate one. Yeah. And it's just replete throughout the scripture. Yeah. And especially see it in the Old Testament, like when one man sins, somehow his whole family receives punishment. Yeah. Or why multiple generations pay for the sins of their fathers. Uh, there's that corporate solidarity that's taking place. So in light of that, next time we're gonna now, we're gonna take a look at this and see how this develops. Yeah, there's multiple views and it's kind of dense. And so it's, it's not kind of dense; it's dense. <laughs> so we're gonna take some time <laughs> to develop that and give it its own episode. And so that's what we'll hit next time. Uh, so return if you want to hear uh, the views on this. Um, but until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think about total depravity and original sin. And don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend.